Living an Energized Life. Insights from Liz Jacoy, international compassionate speaker and author. And in this episode, we are delighted to have her. She's an international compassionate speaker and author who will share her insights on how to live an energized life. She is passionate, a passionate advocate for living life on purpose and joy and full of vitality. In this interview, Liz will discuss the three essential steps to living an energized life, the role of intuition in decision-making, and practical tips on how to reduce mental distractions and live in ease and flow. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. I'm looking forward to introducing our guest. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Liz Jacoy graduated from the University of Toronto with a degree in psychology and a minor in philosophy. After working in the corporate world in various human resource roles, she found her passion in facilitating training programs, conducting workshops, and coaching job seekers. After experiencing a pivotal moment in her life, she decided she could impact the world by starting her own business in 2017. Her mission is to help us to live our lives with ease and flow. Her mission is to guide people through a personal evolutionary process as they journey toward their true potential liberated from limitations. She teaches people how to master their minds, body, and soul to elevate their lives and raise their energy to a higher level. Her programs provide professionals with the tools they need to live their life they truly desire. She created a three-step success formula that she now teaches her clients. Please help me welcome Liz. Hi there, April. Thank you so much. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Thank you. 
Oh, my pleasure. It's wonderful to have you on the show. I'm really looking forward to knowing you further, to sharing you and your wisdom with the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about you outside of your biography. Outside of my biography. Well, I, I enjoy spending time with my kids who are 26 and 22 now. Uh, you know, go, we've gone on vacations together, that sort of thing. Um, I really, it's fun. I really enjoy my passion is reading and watching Wimbledon right now. So I've, I used to play tennis quite a bit uh, because of an injury kind of pulled me out. So now I just enjoy uh, watching tennis, uh, walking my dog, going on nature hikes, uh, sometimes photography. I get into photography again. And what else do I do? Oh, I'm a foodie. So I love, I love finding new recipes, uh, baking, and that sort of thing. And of course, we get into my daughter's a chef. So I'm always afraid to ask her for the taste test because, you know, <laughs> chefs. <laughs> oh, I love food. We all do. There's something about it that really just, it brings us together. That's such the, the community aspect of being a human being. And so what a joy that is. Can you share a little bit about where did you come from? I know that you were very heavily, you have this extensive knowledge in the corporate arena with human services, et cetera. And then you found some other joys, but let's start even further. What really got you interested in that career area? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. You know, it kind of started when I was younger. I always seemed to have this propensity to help people. It's not really like a people pleasing where you're, you know, you're taking it to extreme, but this in, seemed to have this intuition, what people needed and what help they needed. Uh, and I realized at an early stage that I had this gift, but many of us, as many of us, you know, we go through life, we, you know, things happen, grew up kind of in a volatile home. My mom was always stressed, anxious, and overwhelmed. And of course, mm. you know, living under that kind of tense environment all the time. Uh, so I wanted to learn really about, I always had this fascination, even as a kid, about the inner workings of the human mind. So that's probably why I went into uh, psychology. I actually, I was quite the athlete in high school. And I seem to have this knack, even then, I, looking back now, I seem to have this knack of, especially in basketball, where the where the play was going to go. And then I could steal the ball from the players. So I was, of course, you know, voted most valuable player. But, you know, looking back on it now, when you kind of sense about what were those strengths, what were those abilities that you had that you can now really utilize um, in your work? So, so yeah, that's what I do now. So I always had this fascination about what's going on. Why do people behave the way that they do? So it's it is taken, a fascination. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. taken me a few decades to sort of uh, under reading a lot of books and understanding um, and then using some of the tools uh, in my own coaching practice. So. Absolutely. And, you know, you would know by just firsthand experience, but that physical activity really does activate how we think in our brain. And as fast as we can think, it helps make those muscles work even more when we're working with our bodies and being physical. 
But when we talk about psychology, it's definitely a sense that you're interested in that when you're younger and it brings you to what you can provide to the world today. And you talk a lot about, Liz, intuition. So you had these gifts as a child where you pretty much had this foresight or intuition, however you want to word it. Can you give us a couple more examples of how that started to come into play in your life? And did you start honing in on those skills? I know for a lot of people, they exhibit them when they're children and people become afraid of that. And so they are discouraged, but not all. Some are encouraged to have those gifts and utilize them. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, growing up in the home that I did, it was encouraged, but then discouraged. So it's kind of like, I never knew, mm. you know, which fence, you know, was the, what side of the fence I was on. So I think because of, and as, a, as children, we develop these compensating s- strategies to, you know, because we love our parents and we don't want to hurt them. And so out of that love, that's when I started to hold back on my intuition and my capabilities. But I do notice little sparks of it throughout my life where you get that little whisper and you decide to go with that whisper, you know, about um, whether it's going to school, the career, uh, anything in terms of, you know, things that are happening in your life and what to look out for. So I've always had those glimpses. And one of the things I noticed and I started to develop it as I think when my kids were little too, I started to notice that I had it more. It's kind of like that spite. People called it spidey sense. I remember taking the kids on vacation. Oh gosh, at least 10, 15 years ago, we went to Quebec city and my husband who's an ex at that time asked me, Oh, you know, what's the way back to the campsite. And I remember just kind of taking a nice deep breath. Didn't look at a map and just breathed. And then I said, turn left here, turn right there, turn, you know, I was just kind of giving him directions with streets to turn left and right on to get us back on the highway to get us back. That's when I realized that I need to return to my true self, I need to start Mm. developing and growing that, and what's holding me back. And so that's when I realized that we all have these these limiting patterns, these sabotage patterns that kind of hold us back from from really accessing our intuition. And I realized then that in early age, we actually are intuitive beings, right? Mm. It's kind of like what I said earlier, is like, I always seemed to know what people needed and responded to it when I was a kid. But then, you know, wanting to please my parents, I didn't, I stopped. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's when it kind of started developing and growing that. And then the last time was, Um, about five years ago, it was interesting. I think I kind of freaked out the real estate agent because uh, we we went out looking for houses. My other house hasn't sold yet or wasn't put on the market yet. And I walked into the house that I'm currently in now and I just got into the front door. And I think we've all had this experience. Like as soon as you walk in the front door, you go, that's it. And you don't even have to look further, right? That's your intuition, right? You just, exactly, you just know. And so I walked through the house and I'm just like, you know, all the check marks, right? Yeah. So we get back in her car and I said to her, okay, this is what's going to happen. She goes, what? I go, Thursday, you're putting my house on the market. We're going to have an open house Saturday, Sunday. On Monday, I'm going to have two offers. I'm going to accept one of them. And then we're putting an offer in on this house on Tuesday. She kind of, she was driving and she kind of looked at me like, 
that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's very specific. Right. But that, and that's how it exactly happened. Right. So that's, that's what you need to do with your intuition when you get that kind of uh, thought or that whisper, or you get a symbol, whatever the symbol is, you just, Mm. you just, take a look at it and say, well, what does that mean? But don't do it from a rational mind. You've got to do it from your heart center mm-hmm. or even your gut, right? It's sort of tapping into that, well, what does that mean? But but kind of like in an awe and childlike wonder, just like when we were kids, we were fascinated by puddles. We were fascinated by grasshoppers, right? We didn't really care how they came to being. We just were examining them and looking at it. What does What does that do? What does that mean? That's what we need to do too as adults. Liz, can you describe symbols more? Symbols. Okay. Well, it means something different for everyone. Um, for example, if I get, if I'm doing, uh, if I'm working with the client and all of a sudden, let's say a clock appears for me, um, I won't tell them the symbol, right? Because it really won't mean anything to them. I'll then take a nice deep breath and go into my intuition and say, okay, what are you trying to tell me? And then just by looking at that clock, and if I see, let's say, for example, the hours running quickly, um, I'll tell the client that, you know, I get a sense, what's obvious to me is that you feel time is running out, that you're racing against time. And what you need to do is really just slow down and be more present. And I'll show you some tools to do that. So that's what I mean by symbols. But don't tell the client that, but <laughs> right? Because they'll kind of, they won't, they don't really understand. Because it can mean different things for different people. Oh, for the client, it might mean something you, different, right? You know how to work with them, how to address them, what their needs are. So what you mean by symbols is something, a thought that comes in your mind, a picture of something that comes into your mind. Exactly. Yeah. And I can use that to interpret it, use my intuition for what does that mean, but not for what it means for me, but what it might mean for the client. Yeah. I love the topic of intuition and uh, just listening to yourself, your higher self, because it's fascinating and it's often correct when we just listen to it or when quiet enough to tune into our bodies to be able to hear the messages being said. And I think that they're messages that are all around us all the time. And would you think it's fair to say, Liz, that everybody has this gift as long as they just continue to evolve it? Exactly. We were born. We were born with this, like from the moment of conception, right? We were born with this intuitive, creative spirit. And just over time, because we wanted to know how things or our ego wanted to know how things were. That's why we 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 may have fallen out of it or got discouraged about it. Right. We'd be told, oh, don't you know, don't you're such a a dreamer. Or, you know, if we used our imagination or we were imaginative in our play, we'd say, oh, you know, we'd be called silly or you know, don't think that way, or don't feel that way, or whatever, right? And it's not that our parents meant bad, or or peers, or I don't think anyone meant anything. It's just they didn't really understand um, what was going on as well, or or they look, or maybe their parents taught them that way as well. So we definitely can. We all have that intuitive ability, and it's just a matter of, like you said, evolving it and growing it. So. Liz, are there certain practices that you have to evolve and grow your intuition? 
meditation, definitely. Um, we talked just before the show, I hope that's okay to say, uh, about Dr. Joe Dispenza. I think that's a great starting point for many people, although his um, meditations are anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes in length. Mm -hmm. But it's a great way to, if you can do that daily for at least a month, you know, set aside time in the evening or whatever, yeah. great way to really tune into your feelings mm -hmm. and, and to just sort of get present with who you really are. I think Dr. Joe Dispenza has some great meditations along those lines and then of course anything that's going to help you just be present and to think about how you're feeling you know feeling your being mindful too using meditation as a mindful practice just being able to feel for example your your body against the chair or your feet on the mm -hmm. ground that sort of thing being mindful tapping into your intuition is also using mindful practices like um, when you're washing your hands for example being able to feel and sense the temperature of the water and the soap, just taking that, you know, 20, 30 seconds to kind of shift. And you'll notice what a difference that will make in your life, even if you just take these little moments throughout the day. And it can only take 10 seconds even. You know, it's interesting, the power of water and mm. how it's just this re-energizing, cleansing, reset, grounding, all of the things water can do for us if we do that. So I like that you utilize just an example of simplicity where you can just wash your hands and just do it intentionally and feel the soap with in your hands, between your fingers, and just listening to your body and feeling everything. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the one of the tips or tools that I, I coach my clients on too. That's a good start because sometimes I don't know about you, but when you go to the bathroom, you're you're always thinking of something else. Your to do list is always yeah. running in your mind, right? Our minds are constantly going. Constantly. So I'm always telling clients, you know, use that as a cue that as soon as you go to wash your hand, take mm. that ten to thirty seconds to just, you know, stop those thoughts, stop that racing mind, and that's one way of doing it. Liz, that's a great thing, a great example to use it as a cue. When we start training our brains to think a different way as we do a certain task that we're familiar with doing multiple times throughout the day, that is one of the quickest ways to start retraining ourselves. Exactly. That's one way of doing it. And the more often you can do that throughout the day, the more often you're going to train your brain yeah. to right so like having a personal fitness right you you can't just go to the gym one day and do bicep curls and expect to have great biceps right it's something that you've got to do more often and have a personal trainer to really work on your physical body and oftentimes that's what happens we forget i don't know why we we forget but we've got this uh, beautiful muscle between our ears that can grow and expand and we're not even using the capacity that it has and yeah. it's just by doing these mindful activities and practices that you can really grow and expand uh, those muscles it's really having self-command i guess is a good word for it too over over that inner critic that tends to pop up from time to time mm, yeah and you're correct i do love joe dispenza's meditations and his work i follow he has multiple books that people can tune into and 
one thing that I really love about his guidance is he really structures it in such a way. He guides you and teaches you what exactly is happening within your body and what you're trying to do for your body to to redesign it and the thoughts. And so we're going to go into our first commercial. I love this. I love the topic of intuition. And when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more. You have this powerful story of a time in your life when you were driving and you were just ready to end it all. So when we come back, stay tuned. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. So Liz, you have shared this incredible story with me. Would you be so open to sharing it with the audience? You had this almost fatal night nine years ago where you almost made this decision and then there was something that came up for you that you decided not to. Absolutely. It was, I remember it well, it was uh, February of 2014. I was driving home from work. Um, I was working at night, driving home from work. And it, it was the day where my boss actually had come to me and said, um, you know, had pointed out that some colleagues had expressed their concern about certain behaviors I was exhibiting at work. And of course, I'd been going through some detachment and disassociation that that's not me, that's not how I behave. And he told me that I needed to change and that um, he really he knew that I was going through a lot, not only with my marriage, but with my kids. And my mom had been diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's. And he he knew that things were just coming at a head for me. And I think that was kind of that that turning point was like, 
realization that, yeah, I'm in a lot of emotional pain. I've been mm -hmm. trying to work through this and it's just not working. So on the way home, I was just actually disgusted with myself. I was not happy. I was, I had a lot of loathing and self-hatred and like, how did it, like, I guess I was embarrassed because mm -hmm. my boss pointed it out to me. And it's not till later that I realized that if it wasn't ha if it wasn't for him uh, pointing it out to me at that time, I wouldn't have made the changes I needed to make. And what was happening was I was just in so much emotional pain. I hated myself. I hated my life. Yet I had, I had, you know, I had the beautiful home, the pool, the kids. You know what I mean? And and the yeah. career. But it just there was just something else that I was just not happy about. I was in a loveless marriage. Nothing seemed to be going right. I'd read all these books, you know, mm. watched some YouTube videos, like nothing seems to be working. Mm. And to be honest with you, I'd really fallen in and out of depression. I was like a functional depression for decades mm. and had suicidal thoughts throughout most of my life. But I always kind of whisked them away and suppressed mm. them. And I think that's when it finally came to a head. So and when I was driving home, um, I was just crying. I was clenching the steering wheel and, and saying, you know, I hate myself. I can't take this anymore. And I saw this huge, humongous willow tree in the, in the um, bend of the road. And I thought to myself, what would happen if I just put pedal to the metal? And I could just end it right now in this pain. Mm -hmm. And in that instant, and this is why I always say the power of imagination and the power of visualization is so powerful. In that instant, my kids, image of my kids flashed before my eyes. And mm -hmm. I heard this whisper that you can't leave him, leave them. You can't leave them with him, knowing that if I died, they'd be left with him. You know, loveless marriage. He just wasn't, you know, yeah. a lot of it was my fault too, where he wasn't parenting the way I thought he should parent, if you know what I mean. Um, he just wasn't there for us either. He wasn't engaging with the kids. And in that moment, that's when I realized I pulled over and I thought, I do have to change. This has got to stop this suicidal thoughts. And, and I also, in that moment, an instant, I understood why people commit suicide. You know, up until that point, I've had mm. suicidal thoughts, but I brushed it aside and suppressed it. And I thought, well, you know, if I can do it, others can do it. I don't really understand. But then I understood why. Because the pain is so intense, the self-loathing, the yeah. self-hatred. Um, and you just, you know, maybe you've tried a few things and you just don't know what to do anymore. You're kind of like at your wit's end. Yeah. So that's what's that pivotal moment for me that I had to do something to change. This has got to change. I've got to change. Liz, thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that. I think that many people can get to that point of feeling like everything is so intense. I don't want to be here anymore. And it is difficult to share that because you don't want to be seen as like you've totally lost your mind, <laughs> right? Or you don't want to be thrown away you know, and locked up, throw away the key, what have you. It is very vulnerable to talk about that. And I feel like it's a very, uh, it's very needed to talk about those things. So again, thank you for sharing that. And that's amazing how when, if anybody comes to that point, 
of understanding of why people do what they do. You know, it's easy for us to look and say, oh my gosh, how selfish could somebody mm -hmm. be? I have an interesting story that uh, I think that I'll share here where when I was a, a deputy sheriff and it was my, my first year in law enforcement and I had my first suicide. And so I went into the house and I saw pictures of family on the wall, the Disney photos. And as I walked back into the bedroom, uh, we found the woman who had committed suicide. And I had learned that she had earlier that morning dropped off her two kids on the school bus to go to school. And we were thankful that we found her before her husband or her children did. And I thought to myself that that is one of the most selfish things that anybody could do. I would never as a parent. And then later on in my life, I felt suicidal too. Mm -hmm. And then I came to an understanding of like you, Liz, that it's just when you feel like there's nothing else, everything feels so extreme that you want to go to that point. But then there's something within us that says something, some voice that you hear that's like, no, it's not time. You're not ready. There's others that need you. Exactly. Wow. Thank you for sharing that too. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but we all, I've been there too, where I was judgmental of suicide or you hear, you know, especially growing up, it's kind of like, you try and tell people you're depressed or you're the, you're, you're feeling and it's like, oh, you know, they just brush it aside. So, yeah, it's very important to listen to people. Yeah, it is. And, and it's I'm a, glad it's you took topic. Yeah. And I'm glad you as well decided to heed that that whisper or that voice that said, no, you've got other things yeah, to do. Well, it's an easy way out. Right. It, and it's just like self growth, self development, self learning. It isn't easy. It, it is something that we have to continuously work on each day. That's why we have the Wellness Driven Life Show to give people tips and tools and tricks and also stories like yours and mine of resilience of, yes, we all go through extremely difficult times in life. Life isn't easy. It's not supposed to be. Because if we didn't experience those, if we didn't experience the dark, we couldn't know what the light is, the yin and the yang of everything. Exactly. You're right. It's that duality, right? How would we know what's right if we don't know the wrong? How would we know sadness? And there's nothing wrong with it. I think part of it, too, is now that we're talking about this, like sadness and joy, and is we sometimes look at the negative emotions like sadness, um, as something that's wrong but if if we didn't experience it how would we know when we're experiencing joy yeah. right and there's nothing wrong with being sad when you know your dog dies or a family member dies or because of the attachment um but i and i think there has to be some honor right that griefing right. is a whole new whole new process as well but I, you're right we have to understand the duality Important. We should feel. Yes. We, I mean, we wouldn't be human otherwise. Right? Exactly. We absolutely should take time to, to feel in our emotions and to grieve whatever it is that we need to grieve. And then to, to move forward and to say, okay, 
that was my experience and that's how I feel. And I'm going to feel like that for a while. And then what? Now what? How do I want to respond? Exactly. Yeah, nothing wrong with it at all. I think where it, where it becomes destructive, it's kind of like if you put your hand on the stove, like we have to experience pain. For example, yeah. putting your hand on a hot stove. If you didn't experience that pain, you wouldn't take your hand off it, right? And you, if you keep your, the longer you keep your hand on that hot stove, the more destructive it's going to become to the cells, to the membrane of your skin, goes deeper, et cetera, like, and, and that. So, yes, although we have to experience grief and sadness and it's good, but the longer sometimes we stay in it too, it can become destructive. And so we have to sort of find that balance between grieving and sadness and all these negative emotions. And how long do we really want to stay? in that emotion because it can become a destructive force as well. I think people need to understand that. But we also need to keep that going, right? So it's kind of having that balance. I think a key thing to notate here is because our bodies and our brains work alongside each other, what we think is is what shows up in our body, our body responds to that. And we recycle that. It's that cycle. So the thoughts that we have when we're staying within those grieving moments or those negative thoughts or those angry feelings, it's okay to feel them. But the longer that we stay, our body is going to recognize that. And then it's just going to continue the loop even more so. So yes, it is a choice. I think that when we understand that, then we can have the understanding and knowledge that that's how it works. That's how our body responds. And do we really want to stay there that long? Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of making having that discernment about, okay, so this is showing up. I'm going to experience it for a little while, but then it's time to sort of shift and figure out, okay, what is it that I, what is really showing up here? How, how can I turn this into the opposite you know, what can I do to to learn from this situation and move forward? Or what's the opportunity here? I think one of my biggest lessons, Liz, in life has been that this too shall change. That's that's one of the great things that everybody knows that term, right? But not everything stays the same forever. If I am not feeling good physically, I know I'm not going to remain there. You know, I'm going to be able to get out of bed and walk again the next day, or maybe it's a week from now. But the point is, is that everything always changes. Change is constant. So you're never going to remain in that feeling forever. And so speaking of how you decided to move in a different direction, how did you move forward from there? You had this experience with the car and the tree and, you know, wanting to just put pedal to the metal and then you decided not to because your picture of your kids showed up. And so you went a different direction. What did that look like? Well, it really started with uh, the power of imagination or visualization. I kind of decided that, you know, I needed to sit down and really think about what is it that I really want? What is it that I really want for my life, for my kids' life? Um, my health was deteriorating as well. I was facing coronary disease. I was 80 pounds mm. overweight. And I realized in that moment that what is it that I really want? And I knew that I wanted to be around for my kids and I wanted to be healthy and vibrant. Mm. And if they got married, I wanted to be able to walk them down the aisle 
um, when they got married, I want if they had kids. This is assuming that, of course, they're they're going to be heterosexual, right? Like you just we don't know. We didn't, or I didn't know at that time. Um, but it's uh, and if they have kids, you know, what kind of grandparent am I going to be if I'm mm. always depressed or not wanting to do things or sitting on the couch and just bellowing orders because I can't get up and and do things, right? Because at that point, I, physically. I was deteriorating as well, but it had, like you mentioned earlier, right? That goes into our bodies and that's what it does. It really deteriorates our physical being as well. So it starts with visualization, imagining not how your life is, but how you want it to become. And then mm. taking steps, slow, small, incremental steps towards it, right? Start small. Yeah, I love that. What do you envision yourself or your life and what you want it to look like? That's such an important key aspect. And so I love that you did that. Liz, I can't even imagine you 80 pounds overweight. <laughs> and now I'm curious, and I'm sure that many people would be curious, was it just the decision to start taking action in your life that helped you along that journey? That's a lot of weight to have to lose. The, I mean, these are some major changes that you had to make. And I know this is nine years ago, but you wouldn't be where you are today if you didn't start taking action to making change. Exactly. And the action was, I knew it had to, I knew it boiled. Like I thought my metabolism was shot because I was 56 at the time. And I thought my metabolism was shot because that's, that's what you hear. Your metabolism is shot. There's um, no was, going back. Exactly. There's, I was yep. too old, all these kind of things. Right. And I remember seeing, uh, I think it was on Facebook. I saw this 50 year old woman who talked about losing, I think it was 50 pounds and how much, and she's never ever worked out a day in her life before and how she talked about just eating vegetables and you know some fruits mm. and just taking care of her body and drinking a lot of water and I thought well that's I think what you need sometimes too is you you can see that someone else has done it and I think that was my inspiration that well she's not too old I'm only yeah. like what four or five years six years behind her I can she can do it I can do it right yeah. so that's kind of that that really helped um there's so much power in that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, when we see other people that have similar stories or they came from something and now they're achieving this greatness and we are very inspired by that. If they can do it, then I can do it. I love seeing the things, especially about people that are older, because you're right, Liz. It's like when we hear or the societal standards of there's no going back. This is what it is. I mean, have that in my own story where you have this autoimmune disease. You'll never have children. You won't make it to C30 and this and that where they put limits on you and not being able to open your mind or see that there are different possibilities, different outcomes when you know that that can happen and you make the choice. That's amazing. So I guess you, you managed to have you managed to turn it around for yourself as well or Oh, I well, I'm I do very very well. I'm very <laughs> blessed. <laughs> I'm not the the standard statistic that they say I'm supposed to be, but I've had lupus uh SLE for my entire life. I had symptoms since birth. I was diagnosed at 15. They said I wouldn't be able to have children. So at the age of 18, I decided, why am I still taking this 
birth control because I was sexually active at the time. And then I got pregnant. So I said, well, I guess I'm going to miscarry because I'm not supposed to have children. And I didn't. So that was probably one of the biggest signs for me that just because somebody in a white coat says something, it doesn't mean it to be true. I later found out from my mom that uh, he, this particular doctor had said to her that I wouldn't make it to C30. Wow. And um, a few years after that, she disclosed that information to me. So that's just another thing. But I kind of had those experiences throughout my life going to doctors and them not knowing exactly what was happening to me. So that's really what began my journey of first off being young, not wanting to uh, allow this to be my life. I didn't want that to dictate how I lived being so young and uh, wanting to learn other things, other avenues of ways that I could care for my body outside of taking a bunch of pills. I didn't want that because you have to take a pill to take a pill to take a pill because of all of the side effects. And I didn't want to live my life that way. So you defied the odds. That's I love that. Yeah. And you, you made a decision. You had the power of decision at a very early age that you decided yeah. that, no, this is not going to go this way. So. Yeah. And that's so much of what I want to do with this show is to be able to show people that we are so powerful beyond mm -hmm. your imagination. And that's why, Liz, I like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work so much, because when I came to his teachings and I started learning about it, I realized that what he was saying is all of the things that I felt and like knew, but I didn't know how to explain. And he backs everything by science and he continues to do the research and more experience, experiments and to prove to us just how incredibly powerful we are. Yeah, I love his stories and the MRIs that he does before and after his participant. I've not, I've, it's on my bucket list to attend one of his uh, week long retreats. I've They're not fabulous. been able to get on. <laughs> Have you gone? Oh, yeah. 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 I've not I've been able it. to. Uh, I keep hitting the wait list button, but yeah. So, yeah, you'll enjoy it. It's definitely something that you won't regret. It's an experience for sure. It's well, kind he, of like you learn. Um, you know, when you start learning about his work and you're doing the meditations, that's one thing. It's really individual. It's it's working on yourself. But when you go to a week long, you learn what it is like to heal others wow. instead of just healing yourself. But you also find that when you heal others, in turn, it heals you. You. Yes. You know? That effect. Pretty that's cool. Amazing. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love it. So we've talked a little bit about um, some of the things. I know that you have the three steps and you probably have gone into some of those steps, but we're going to go into our next commercial. And when we come back, let's highlight those three steps once more. Stay Absolutely. Tuned.
can learn more about Bella Grace in the description below. And coming back to Liz. Now, Liz, you have created three steps to living an energized life. And we may have tapped into those, but can you re-go over those? What are these three incredible tips that you have created? Exactly. It's it's quite a it's it's kind of like a mantra that I have, kind of like a tagline as well. It's the three steps are think it, change it, and then live it. So think mm. it, change it, live it. And the think it is really one of the things I think you had mentioned about my weight loss was I started to think about my thinking. Like, what am I thinking about? Why am I going to the fridge when I just had dinner a couple hours ago and it's eight mm. o'clock at night? Do I really need to go to the fridge to look for that extra piece of cake? What yeah. am I thinking? Right. So it's kind of like that thinking. What am I thinking about? What's behind that thinking? So I'm thinking that, you know, maybe I'm bored, maybe. Uh, I'm not good enough or whatever it is. And then attach yeah. the feeling to it too. So that's that first step is what am I thinking and what am I feeling? And as a result, what, what does that lead me to do? What is that? What kind of behaviors are coming out of that? So think, feel, I think like we talked about Joe Dispenza, he talks about uh, thinking, feel and act. It's kind of like, you know, what are my thoughts? What am I feeling or what are my emotions? And what, what behaviors do I normally exhibit? And that, of course, we know leads to certain results. And, of mm -hmm. course, the results that we may or may not be getting in our lives. So we got to examine that. But it's always tied back up to some kind of belief. And I believe that it's a belief or a decision that we made that we're either not good enough or, you know, I don't belong or, um, you know, whatever it is. So that's the think it part. The change it part is that's where the tools come in. Okay, so now I'm aware of what I'm thinking and and uh, feeling and behaving, how do I change that? Well, first of all, is using some mindful um, tips and tools that I mentioned earlier, using some mindful practices and making, and, and like you did as well, is like thinking, taking a look at what decision that I make that made me lead to thinking that, for example, I can't lose weight, that I'm too old. And mm -hmm. then it's like, well, that's not true. I can change that because I've seen others do it at, at, at my age. If others can do it, I can do so I can make a new decision. But it's not that easy. I mean, you've really got to take a look at what you're thinking and feeling before you make that new decision, right? So you make that decision, and then you can find evidence for that decision. So that's how you change it, as yeah. well as using, um, becoming aware of, you know, what is, what is that inner critic saying? And how can I change that inner critic? And then live it is, What's that small step or what's that small action that I can take, right? So it's next time I go to the fridge, I'll remember what I was thinking and feeling and why I wanted to reach that extra piece of cake. And so, right, it's kind of like taking that one small step. So that's kind of how I started with my weight loss journey was just recognizing that I knew what I was eating was not, you know, healthy or was a good way to be. And so live it is that taking that taking action doesn't you know, we hear Tony Robbins talk about taking massive action. Yeah. Great guy. Love him. But I think I think sometimes we just need to take that. What is that next step for me? Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, no, I'm going to close the fridge door and walk away and then celebrate it. Reward yourself for, yeah. wow, I caught myself. I caught what I was thinking. I caught what I was feeling. I'm changing my behavior good on me not only when you reward yourself and you're living in it you're you're giving yourself a dopamine hit 
right? Yeah. By rewarding yourself. And the more likely you're going to do that behavior again in the future of, nope, I'm going to close the door on that, close the fridge door and walk away. That's great tips, Liz. You highlighted evidence. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by finding the evidence? That you've been able to do something in the past. So for example, evidence is, uh, let's say we're going back to, a, I don't know why we're, go, we're going into weight loss again, but going back to weight loss. You, if, if you're like me, you've probably done all those diets, the yo-yo diets, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, you Mediterranean diet, the Atkins diet, uh, Weight Watchers, I've tried so many different things, yeah. you know, and I lost weight for a while, but then, of course, mindset would kick mm -hmm. in, and I'd give up on it, or yeah. whatever reason, I wasn't good enough to continue with it, and so I'd look back and say, okay, I've lost weight before, I've managed to, you know, when I stayed on track with my eating, when I've stayed on track with my working out, and now all I need to do is really focus on my mindset. And how was I feeling when I was working out? I was probably feeling pretty good. Mm. So that's the kind of evidence that you're looking for is you've been able to do it in the past. And now you can do it again, but this time focus more on the mindset part so that you don't fall off the track. Because it's really the mind that kind of keeps us from making changes. It is. It is. Now, Liz, you talk a little bit about how often high achievers can find it difficult to quiet their mind and reduce mental distractions. So you have a couple of things of how to live in ease and flow of how to quiet your mind and limit those distractions. What are some of your tips on that? Absolutely. It's kind of going back to taking a look at what is what is, what's causing you stress as a high achiever? You know, mm. is it that you feel like you're not far enough along? You know, what is, what is some of that thinking that's going behind um, that high achieving moment? You know, am I performing? I'm not doing as well as I want it to be. I should be further along and recognize the thinking and how it's making you feel. And so oftentimes that's why we get distracted is the distractions are the mental processes. So we, mm. when we get into that state, we definitely aren't performing as well as we want to be, but we, we know we want to be performing well. So take a look at what it is that you want to be doing. Take a moment to sort of breathe, but not just breathe, but um, actually feel the rise and fall of your chest. And that's going to shift you into taking a look at not the lack and where, where you where you're not going or where you feel you haven't been, but take a look at how far you have succeeded. Recognize the success along mm. the way. That's really important. And sometimes high achievers don't do that. As soon as they, they accomplish something or they succeed at something, it's like, what's next? They quickly dismiss it. They may celebrate for a day or two, but then they quickly dismiss it. And what I'm mm. saying is languish in it longer. Really take a look at and and you know journal it if you have to each and every day, your accomplishments and your successes. That makes me feel better already. Liz. I start <laughs> oh, reflecting on, okay, well, you have accomplished this and this is how far you've gotten. So there are a lot of wins. And I think that you talk a lot about gratitude and how that can shift. But before we go there, I just want to reflect again about how you talked 
about breathing. So what I heard was when the hamster wheel's going and things are just not stopping to really just stop and take a breath and to really fill into your body and to slow down just for a moment. It's so rare that we do that. And even the way that we breathe, you know, you know, when we're just doing the big chest breaths instead of the belly breaths, but that has to be taught. And then we have to recognize it enough to even stop and think to do it, to change that behavior. But yeah, high achievers, we're just go, 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 go. Yeah, I don't have time for this breath thing. No time for that. But <laughs> no time for that. But you know what? It only takes 10 seconds. Yes. I'm sure you've got 10 seconds. You know, just take 10 seconds and you'll notice how what a, what a difference that's going to make for you. And then you can move into, you know, still be an achiever and say, okay, what's my next step? What can yeah. I do now? Yeah. So I want to bring this in because I really liked it. You said imagination is key to transformation, which we talked about. Self-love is necessary and not selfish. And gratitude is a powerhouse of energy. What do you mean by that? Well, we use imagination all the time. We always picture how we want things to be because we're not happy with the way things are right now. And, and it's kind of like, so the power of imagination, we've seen that with uh, studies have been done uh, and conducted, let's say MRI, uh, for example, there was a study done by Harvard, The Power of Imagination. And we see this with athletes as well, that they can visualize, like piano players were visualizing that they were playing the piano a certain tune. And they had another group that was actually playing the tune. And when they took MRI pictures um, of the brains of both players, they realized that same regions of the brain lit up. So whether you're imagining that you're playing the piano or whether you're actually playing the piano, your brain still has those neuron connections happening and firing. And in mm -hmm. fact, the people that were visualizing the piano when they were asked to then play the piece, they were just as good as the people that were actually physically playing the piano. So Amazing. that's what I mean by using that power of imagination. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know too, you said gratitude is a powerhouse of energy. I just love that term. What do you mean by that? Just when you notice yourself, it, it, this is more, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, you know, when you're feeling sad or when you're um, in, a, in a, for lack of a better term, in a negative state, if you just take that moment and take a look at, okay, well, what is this? What's the gift or what's the opportunity? What what is it? What's really good about this? And be grateful for it. You know, well, thank God I've got a roof over my head. Thank God I'm able to walk my dog. You know, if you sort of be thankful and grateful for what is happening in your life, then you'll notice how that automatically shifts again from that negative state into a positive state. And then you can accomplish a lot more when you're in a positive state. So that's why it's a because that negative energy really depletes your energy. But when you notice when you're grateful and you say, wow, I'm really appreciate this or I'm, you know, I'm really grateful for you helping me with this today. You'll even notice not only will your energy shift, but others energy as you. well. Yeah, I love that. And I, I just wanted to really highlight that, Liz, because I don't think we think about that very often that just the simple act of 
gratitude and spending a little bit of time on that can actually energize us. We just don't think about that, that that's how powerful the energy shift is and that we can continue on and just excel. So if we're feeling a lack in our day where we're just feeling really exhausted and tired and we have more work to do, maybe take a moment to be grateful about the things and see how it works. See if it really does do that energy shift because that's uh, physiologically what's happening to our bodies. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think there was something else, but I can't remember. There was, yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. I would like to share with the audience that I have your website here. It's www.lizjacoy. And please tell me, am I saying your last name correctly? Beautifully. Yes. Perfect. Lizjacoy.com. I'll spell that out for our listening audience. That's L-I-Z-J-A-K-O-I. And that is also going to be in the description. Now, Liz has this magnificent, and, and what I mean by magnificent is, I mean magnificent. She created this ebook that is just visually uh, astounding. I really appreciated it. So check it out. See the photographs, the science that she puts into this beautiful ebook. And she offers that as a gift to people. So you can find that within her website. It's also, again, going to be in the description. There will be a link for that. So Liz, it's been awesome to have you share your stories on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? No, just, you know, just recognize that you're not broken. I used to think that I was broken and there was something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. There's nothing to fix. Just recognize, be grateful for where you are now because it's probably better than where you were before. And, and that's one of the things is love the life that you have now. And that's going to propel you forward to even live the life that you love. Mm, that's a really good message, Liz. Thank you so much. Live the life that you have now to propel you into the life that you love. That's beautiful. Ah, well, thank you again, Liz, so much for being a guest on the show. And to the audience, goodbye for now. And we will see you later.